Your last greatest questions seem like a mystery? Well, we're probably going to talk about it here at Appalachian Liturgy. Important questions like, are you a Jedi or an Imperial? Is oatmeal actually a breakfast cereal? Is a Catholic weekday really called a ferial? Did you know that Mr. Rogers was Presbyterial? So join us as we have a little fun talking about Thy Kingdom Come. Appalachian Liturgy. Welcome, everyone, to the Appalachian Liturgy Podcast. I'm Justin Stacey. I'm the Reverend Brooke Ashley. And tonight and we have Keith. Dustin <laughs> yeah. Keith. He is replacing Mr. Justin Bowling tonight. I mean, is, is there a replacement? I mean, he's kind of sitting in for him, a substitute. I mean, he's not replacing True. Bowling. But Bowling did leave us for a night out with his wife and Spider-Man No Way Home. So I would probably do the same, honestly. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. blame her. Yeah. 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 I think he made he made the correct choice. He made the right choice. He made the correct choice. Uh, thank you, Dustin, for for joining quick notice. I'm happy to substitute anytime. Good deal. I got tonight, have, I have to keep my tally going against uh Pastor Nate. Against Nate. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you're three and three, so you gotta keep it going. That's right. <laughs> so tonight we are going to talk about the epiphany. What I love about the traditions that we are all in is, you know, our our traditions that it doesn't end on the twenty fifth Christmas. Like we we have twelve more days to celebrate, and then we have, as soon as Christmas ends, we got the Epiphany. <laughs> so it's wonderful that we have so many these more liturgical traditions to 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 honor. But let's talk a, a bit about the Epiphany. What is it? Um, how do we celebrate it? Those type of things. Well, and I love, I mean, people who say that the church is boring. I mean, we have a lot of celebrations. Yeah. And and it's not all come to just sit around and twiddle our thumbs. I mean, there's like celebration, you know. It's it's, it's, it's amazing in the, in the in the in the Bible how many feasts they're having. I mean, yeah. there's always a meal going on. Like these people like to eat. Jesus loved to eat. <laughs> With people. Yeah. I mean, and there is something, I mean, there's something holy about gathering and celebrating and, and I mean, I, I just think that sometimes Christians get a bad rap for being buddy daddies and yeah, if that's the case. You're, you're hanging around the wrong folks. So that's right. I'm just saying. Well, and, and I want to kind of preface anything I contribute with the fact that I was raised in a Baptist tradition where there was not a lot of liturgy at all. Mm -hmm. um, yep. We didn't talk about the significance of uh, holidays, except for the big ones, except for Christmas and Easter. Um, you know, we'd have one, maybe two Sundays of Christmas, and we'd have the cantata, and we'd have the play, and then after January or after December 25th, that was it. Um, so I'm I'm coming in with a little bit of a disadvantage, um, but yeah. I'm very glad now to be part of an Episcopal tradition That's where right. that has much more significance. Yeah, growing up, an epiphany was just that. It was just an aha moment, you know. Um, so, so learning. Epiphany. I'd never heard the word epiphany. Honestly, I think the Episcopal Church is probably the first time I heard the word epiphany. Now, in the Presbyterian Church, we definitely had a service post Christmas that talked about the wise men, and you know, it's a couple of weeks after Christmas. 
So it was basically celebrating the epiphany or, or educating on the epiphany, but it, I don't remember the word. I, you know, the, I think the first word I've ever, the first time I ever heard that was in the Episcopal church. So I, I found that interesting. Well, an epiphany in our liturgical tradition, epiphany Sunday is one of the big Sundays. I mean, it's a, a white pyramid Sunday. <laughs> so, you know, you're wearing white symbolizing holiness and, um, so, and it's, I mean, yes, it is a celebration of the wise men um, appearing, you know, with Jesus, which we talked about before did not happen at his birth. I mean, let's, let's, you know, make sure that we're all on the same page here. Um, but it's more than just the wise men or the magi or the kings, whatever you want to call it. I mean, some people call it three kings Sunday. Um I think there's a lot of biblical evidence that they weren't kings, but you know, yeah. that that's another topic. Um, but it wasn't. Well, I think just, it is this topic. <laughs> is it this topic? <laughs> yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, and yeah, so and we don't know how many magi um, showed up. We know there were three gifts, and so right. our nativity scenes have always shown three wise people or magi, and um, but. In reality, it was probably a whole host of people. They traveled a mm -hmm. long distance. And so they were, you know, wealthy, well thought of people in their culture. So they would have traveled with a whole host of servants. But again, right. something. but it's not just a celebration of that. It's, it's this, it's the fact that these were Gentile folks yes. of a different culture that came to worship the savior of the Hebrew people. And so that's why this is such a big holiday in the Protestant tradition, at least with the liturgical churches, you know, mm -hmm. your main lines. And we've talked about how the Methodist church kind of has a foot in both evangelical and, and main line. But um, just so nobody fusses at me later, I said it, Methodists have a foot in each place. Um, you know, so, but that's the big celebration, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the emphasis is that, we recognize that Jesus came for all and not just uh, one group of people. So, Yeah, I think it's important for the epiphany to be separated from Christmas for that reason alone. Because Christmas, you know, yes, that is Jesus' birth. It's also the fulfillment for Israel's Messiah, right? So now we've got the separate event of this epiphany, this revelation that the Gentiles had of this is also your Messiah, you know, and yeah. nobody, nobody's really expecting that. <laughs> uh, right. Everybody is included in this. So it was, yeah, that's it, amazing. And it's a huge celebration of the incarnation, right? That, mm -hmm. that God with us. I mean, you had these wise people, the magi, sorcerers, whatever you want to call them. And they were recognizing that this was God with us, the God of the yeah. Hebrew Bible present in human flesh. Um, yeah. So I read that part of the reason why we have both wise men, magi, and kings, we, we call them all of the above, basically, is because in, I think, Isaiah, the prophecy, he talks about the kings of the nation coming to worship the Messiah. And the the specific gifts that they're bringing, I believe that it was prophesied that there would be frankincense and myrrh. So I think that's where the idea of kings comes from. It's from the prophecy. But in in Matthew, all, all they're ever called 
is magi, which is wise men. And, well, and it, it, I think it depends yeah. on which translation you're reading too. Yeah. Some translations refer to them as kings, mm -hmm. um, you know, but that word, just like any other translate translation from one language to the other, there's always a couple of choices there. And um, I think in some of our earlier translations, kings were easier to explain. I mean, some, some translations will talk because magi had a um, real negative connotation with sorcery and yeah. That's where you we know, get the word magician from. Right. Astrology, all of that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And so early in uh, church history, you know, those were things that you were burned at the stake for practicing, right? Mm. Um, so the the move went way away from that. Right. Into something that people could more, uh, you know, we wouldn't want to be celebrating magi in the Christian church, you know, so. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And to your point of this wouldn't have been as soon as Jesus was born. So the, the nativity scenes we have is inaccurate, right? I, I actually, you know, I was reading through Matthew 2, which is where the story of the Magi is. And I believe that there's some hints here as to the time frame it would have been. And that's when Herod is giving his declaration to kill all, you know, kids to try to, you know, get rid of Jesus. And he basically chooses any kid under two years old because from the estimations that the wise men gave him, that would have been the time frame. So that's mm -hmm. a two-year span. But yeah, so the 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 prophecy that uh, of the star, I, I was reading that, you know, that comes from the book of Numbers, Numbers uh, chapter 24. And that actually was from a, a Gentile oracle. So that wouldn't have been an Israel, anyone that would have had prophecy in, inside of Israel. That would have been out, that would have been a Gentile oracle. And I, I just think that's interesting that, you know, that star of Bethlehem prophecy came from a Gentile too. <laughs> so that, and I think that's sort of why these wise men, these astrologers would have been studying this stuff. You know, if it would have been just specific to Israel, they might not have been as interested. But because they have, you know, this outside revelation, now they're interested, you know. So I just, I found that very, very interesting. So can we talk about probably the most well-known song of Epiphany? Which is, is We Three Kings. We Three Kings, yep. And we need more hymns or something about Epiphany because this hymn is so bad. Like the theology's bad. The two, like now for the rest of the evening, I'm going to be singing this. We this. Three Kings of yes. Orient are. So, yeah. I mean. Actually, I like the tone of it. It's, you know, kind of a somber druidy you know deep i like that tone but i mean the, it, the very first line is just kind of one it's not pc at all you know yeah. and in the theologically it's just incorrect um so something so. i did recently we just released uh so me and a couple of buddies that will play music together we just released a, another song uh we were 
kind of late. We were targeting Christmas to release it because, you know, a Christmas song. But we were late, so we we were within the 12 days. So orthodox-wise, we're fine. Okay? And it's, oh, come all, all ye faithful. And what I did with it is we had a, a solo, which was about a minute long. And I needed something because there's going to be a lyric video. So I needed something to feel within that solo part. So I took all of chapter two here. And I it, so I made the video basically a wise men, you know, it, it's kind of like, oh, come all ye fa- faithful, sort of an epiphany song. Yeah. And I, I feel like it could be, like you could, could interpret it that. I could get behind that. Yeah. I could get behind that. You know, I mean, I think epiphany is just one of those things that we so don't always talk about or it kind of and and i'll put myself into this thing we are so exhausted after christmas that i'm done like i don't i can't think about another celebration that that quickly um but it is such a beautiful a beautiful tradition to to talk about so i wish that we had a little more breathing room between all of the Christmas stuff. Yeah. Um, all I'm saying is we should go back to the 40 days of Christmas. That's just all I'm saying. <laughs> from from from, oh, from the 25th to Candlemas is what we need to do. Candlemas. And that's all. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's funny that you say that because Christmas, as we celebrate on the 25th, is a relatively, I mean, in the history of the church, right? It's a relatively new celebration um, mm-hmm. and, and really didn't come about till maybe the 1600s, really. I mean, there's some before that, but most traditions celebrated Epiphany in a huge way. Um, and, and the others, you know, you had Advent and um, some of that kind of stuff, but, but Epiphany was the big holiday. Mm-hmm. And now so you didn't old Christmas. Isn't that sort of related? Uh, the mm-hmm. Appalachian old Christmas so today is old Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. old Christmas and epiphany are the same because the folks who celebrated. So you see old Christmas being celebrated in a, in a couple traditions. Um, your Hispanic communities and cultures will celebrate epiphany in a huge way. It's a huge <laughs> holiday. Um, and then old Christmas was a holiday that, you know, our Appalachian roots still, you'll still hear people talk about it. In fact, I grew up hearing that there were certain things that women didn't do on old Christmas because it doomed you to a year of hardship. So like you didn't know laundry, you didn't sweep, you didn't, all of those normal tasks that you would do, you didn't do on old Christmas um, because it brought you bad luck for the year. But um, it wasn't until the calendars really changed and um, some of the powers that be in the church of England chose Christmas that you started seeing people move more towards celebrating on the 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where old Christmas comes from. There's an old tradition that says, if you go to the barns, um, on old Christmas night and you're really quiet that you can audibly hear the animals speak to one another about the birth of Christ. Um, that's interesting. 
Yeah, isn't it? I mean, I've never experienced it, but I know some old timers who swear hmm. that you, if you go to the barns or wherever the animals are kept on the night of old Christmas, that you can hear the animals whisper that they'll be quieter than normal on those nights and um, that, that you can hear them whispering about the birth of Christ. So it's in- Dustin, didn't you attend like a service last year or some year uh, of old Christmas? Yeah, it's been a couple of years ago, um, but Helen Owens, who is a one of the best historians for Russell County, she's a retired school teacher. She's kind of now uh, the caretaker of the old courthouse in Dickinsonville for Russell County. Uh, she organized uh, and annually organizes an old Christmas celebration uh, at the courthouse. So a few years ago, I attended and she had invited uh, Ron Short, uh, another great historian, folk music uh, expert, um, really great guy who's you know, done music at our church several times. Uh, and it was just a, a great time. He explained the traditions that his family um, carried on for old Christmas. And it was just like a great time of singing and storytelling and fellowship. And it was really interesting uh, to see that uh, carried on. That is interesting. So on top of old Christmas, there's the the Eastern Orthodox traditions. Their Christmas basically began today, I believe. Actually, our friend Stefan, his his mom is Serbian Orthodox. And this is when, and I think he said that him and his family was going to his parents' house to celebrate Christmas today. So, I, you know, I think it's just interesting. It's, it's good for us to keep in mind that even though, you know, we're all Christian brethren, we have different traditions and different dates that is important to us. So that's just, I think, fun to keep in mind. Yeah. And across the world, um, Christmas Day is a celebration. I mean, people celebrate it, but it's a minor celebration. This is the day that would most reflect American Christmas Day across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so Abby, uh, who plays soccer has a lot of international friends because of that. And, um, many of her, well, I won't say many, but a few of her American friends from college traveled to Spain a few days ago to be able to celebrate epiphany with their friends in Spain today. Um, and in fact, they're all supposed to report back to school Monday, but those, uh, in the European countries will actually delay that a day or so so that they could celebrate this religious holiday um, in their own countries of origin. Um, but it's huge, you know, celebrations and parties and festivals and parades. And I mean, it's just a huge deal um, places outside of the U.S. It's awesome. It's really important, you know, that Christians, you know, not get bogged down with you know, the the worldly trappings of Christmas, but if we can fixate it and focus more on, on the epiphany um, and the revelation of Christ uh, incarnate uh, on earth um, and, and that message of, you know, Jesus descending for all people, not just uh, Hebrew, not just Gentile, but for all people. I mean, that's a message that can transcend time. You know, that's just as relevant today as it was in those times. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I think for years there's been this struggle, especially in the U.S., about the commercialism of Christmas, right? I mean, just 
and and we talk about it every year. I mean, you've got some people who lament the commercialism of Christmas, and you've got people who lament on the attack on Christmas or the war on Christmas. I mean, we, we have this like back and forth battle and outside of our borders, this is not an issue. <laughs> like, you know, it is a very American issue um, and a very Americanized emphasis on um, the Christmas, the day of Christmas. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, it's good to keep in mind. So something, something else about the birth of Christ and, and also the epiphany is that, you know, Jesus gave up power to come to be with us. You know, he had all, all power and he, he gave that up to come be in flesh. And I, I think it's, that's just so important for Christians to remember that, you know, striving for power isn't, I would say, isn't normally a good thing. <laughs> You know, especially in the context of what we're seeing, (laughs) I think we could call it sinful. Yeah. Yeah. Because on the anniversary, so here, this is where we get into politics and Dustin's going to be happy. On the one year anniversary of the attempted coup, the insurrection from last year, that was on the epiphany. Mm -hmm. And it's so ironic that that was on the epiphany because Mm -hmm. that was, you know, a lot of people who claim, you know, are claiming to be Christian. They're, they had their, their Jesus flags and all that. Who singing were, worship songs beside the gallows. Songs, striving. They, oh, were, they were doing those, those violent acts all in the name of power, right? Because they felt like they lost it. So they had to do it to take it back. And that is, like you said, that is sinful. Mm-hmm. It is sinful to, to get into that trap. So I think that's one of the important things that we should remember that Jesus gave up power to come here. And it really, you know, what power did he have when he was here? Like he ended up dying. (laughs) He gave up all. He gave up his life. So that's the ultimate giving up of power, right? Now, he was victorious, obviously. He's all powerful. He he is God. He is all powerful, but he gave it up. And I think that's just, that's the example for us. We can't strive for that. We have we have eternal hopes. We we should not be striving for these these temporal uh, government power structures that is so easily corrupted. So that, that's the only point I w- want to make. And then with with the you know the the magi, somewhat representing the nations of the world, coming and bending their knee and giving gifts to the one who gave up power. That's important to remember. That ultimately. All nations, all governments, all kings will bend the knee. And that's, that's, it's inevitable. That's what's going to happen. So. So there might have been a Star Wars movie happening here at the house today. I mean, Abby is home from school. So, um, and she feels like it is her duty to introduce little Hudson to as much of her what she calls her nerd stuff as possible when she's in on these breaks and so we've been going through all of the Star Wars movies and uh I forget which one it was today maybe three and when Amidala says you hear the thunderous applause that is the beginning of death to democracy and I thought, mm. what a cool 
And it was when the emperor was giving his speech about you want to be led and I'm going to do that. And I am the, speech. I am the Senate. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I thought, ah, huh, what a mm -hmm. day to, to mm -hmm. hear that, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. A lot of good life lessons in Star Wars. There are a lot of not good life lessons in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot actually. Um, but I do love the idea of, um, or the visual of the Magi who were, would have been well thought of, respected, powerful people in their own circles of influence, bowing or kneeling at this two-year-old child. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, um, I think now about what it takes for us, like, I don't know what is wrong with people, but people like have an aversion to even kneel at the altar. Mm. And it's gotten worse in the last 20 years as, as I've worked in the church. And it used to be seen as a very powerful thing. That if you came forward and kneeled at the altar mm -hmm. and now people kind of look on it as, I don't know, they don't want to be submissive or they don't want to appear weak. I don't know what it is, but um, I've noticed a very marked difference in the 20 years that I have worked in the church. Well, 25 really 25 years anyway um in that it just doesn't happen very often anymore at least in the tradition i'm in and, and so i feel like comparing it one tradition over 25 years is probably an easier mark than bouncing back and forth between traditions um but it's just it we don't want to humble ourselves i think yeah it probably doesn't help that kneeling now in america has become a political statement you know it was happening well before that um and so i just it's almost like we have become more and more afraid to show any vulnerability and yeah. i really link that to um the demise of the christian church is when we became started and it's been happening for generations so don't hear me saying that I've had this revelation and whatever, but I've just noticed a change in the last 25 years where it used to be your church leaders were the first to get to that altar. And mm -hmm. now your people of power tend to shy away from that because they don't want to appear weak. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> come on yeah. now. So there's a book and I believe it's called John Wayne and Jesus or something like that. Oh, and I yeah. forget who it's by, but the Holy Post has talked a lot about it. And it's on this idea that our Christian culture, America specifically, but the Christian culture at large in America, has bought into the John Wayne type of, of mentality to where this is how we proclaim being godly and being manly and being all this stuff, is you have to be strong. You can't show weakness. You can't be humble. And it's just complete bullcrap, but uh, that's, what, that's what it is. So, I mean, and I think it's something that we, we need to reflect upon when we think about things like epiphany mm -hmm. and, um, and, and the, I mean, pride, if you really think about it, most sin can be pulled back right to pride. I mean, yep. and our inability to be authentic and, and all that kind of stuff comes from this persona of pride. And, and, um, but I think about what it would have taken. I mean, so I think, I think about these magi who have traveled forever. I mean, they've probably traveled for close to two years. Right. And they come upon, and they're expecting to see this King of the Hebrew people. And they find a two-year-old, they find mm -hmm. a toddler who's still pooping in his pants. Yeah. 
you know, and they still kneel at them. And then we're told that Mary treasures all of things, these things in her heart. Yep. And as someone who has raised two-year-olds, I often wonder, maybe she needed the reminder <laughs> at this point, this two-year-old who's throwing temper tantrums and whatever is still the son of God, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, so. I, I've always wondered, and I, and I think this is probably the answer in, in Matthew two, when, you know, the wise men were obviously smart enough to, to figure out based on the star where the location was of Jesus. But the first thing they do is go to Herod, <laughs> you know, well, and I think, I think it's because it they, they expected courtesy. a king. Well, but oh, I also think to, it's common courtesy. You know, mm-hmm. you go to the sitting king, right? I mean, you think about if we had, um, if you had a foreign dignitary coming to visit the president-elect, mm-hmm. it would look very poorly if they didn't visit the sitting president first. That makes sense. I didn't think of that, but that makes sense. You know, so I think it was a more cultural thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, but there is also the part where, the where Herod has to bring in the Israel scribes to help decipher where it's going to be. And they specifically say Bethlehem. So I do mm-hmm. wonder if if the wise men maybe had a general idea based on the location of the star. But then they go to go to Herod for the reason you say. And then Herod is like, okay, we can get people in here that can tell you point blank where it where it's going to be. And then, then he uses the wise men as spies, basically. <laughs> yeah. Says, you know, go go there and tell me the exact location so I can go well, worship. And two, I mean, <laughs> the country Israel is not a large place. Right. They, I mean, they I said Jer- Jerusalem, that. Jerusalem, and, and Bethlehem. I believe uh, I read somewhere was going to be. It's like seven miles apart or something like that. So it's it's not like you know, a huge place. So we know that um, Nazareth is you know, is a three-day journey Mm -hmm. from Nazareth to Jerusalem. We know that because of, of scripture, you know, and so, I mean, you're really talking from the Tri-Cities to Knoxville. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, we are so used to, when you think about a country, you know, we're thinking Maine to California, you know, and we forget that not all countries are as large as, Right. Most, most countries are as large as a state mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, any input, Dustin, I sent you a ton of articles. Did you find anything interesting <laughs> in them? He gave you homework. Is that what, what he's saying? Well, uh, I definitely wanted to remark, uh, on the parallels or really the lack of the complete, you know, dissonance between the epiphany and what else occurred on January 6th last year with the insurrection? Uh, because, you know, that the hallmark of the American democracy, the American experiment, you know, is the peaceful transfer of power. And that's exactly what the epiphany was a, a symbolic uh, and literal transfer of power uh, as Jesus is being born, takes on, you know, human flesh uh, to be born as a, as a child uh, on earth. And that's exactly what we did not have uh, last year. Um, it's just really eerie how dissonant that was and how timely it is and how we should all be celebrating the, the epiphany and what we can learn from it. Uh, President Biden actually quoted scripture uh, in his remarks yesterday. 
uh, when he said, we shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. Mm -hmm. Of course, referring to mostly the big lie that the former president perpetrated and and pushed uh, based on non-existent election fraud. Um, but that, of course, can be related to Epiphany and truth being uh, the Christ uh, being born to us to to make us free, you know, to make sacrifices, not only in the crucifixion, but as Justin, as you said, the sacrifice of just coming to earth, of being born here when he had all power and authority and autonomy in, in heaven. Uh, so, so it is striking. Um, the president said in his remarks, are we going to be a nation that lives not by the light of the truth, but in the shadow of lies? So focusing more on the light of truth and letting that shine out is really profound to me. Yeah, I do think we have to be careful in this comparison between Epiphany and the events that happened a year ago, um, the insurrection, because I don't think the people who played the insurrection planned it because it was Epiphany, right? Like I've seen a lot of articles yeah. and we've got to be careful that we don't, we don't even hint to that. I mean, the insurrection happened on the day it did because that's when the vote was going to be ratified. Right. Um, but it, the irony between uh, right. what the Christian holiday of Epiphany stands for and what happened on that date, I think is what people have been trying to do. But several of the articles I've read made, you know, it made it sound almost like it was people, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, context is important. And all three of us did not grow up in mainline denominations. So we right. had no idea what the Epiphany holiday was. Exactly. My guess is the majority of people who were packed into that Capitol Mall did not know what epiphany was absolutely yeah. it was just coincidental i, I completely believe that yeah. it's just ironic it is ironic and the irony is thick right the mm -hmm. irony is thick but i just think we have to be really careful that we we don't fall into the trap of saying this was a sign for us or you know whatever because um, right. we would we would be jumping on that <laughs> like a duck on a june bug if it was you know the 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 tables were turned so mm -hmm. um, the insurrection was not at all you know perpetrated by only christians or by right. christians because they were christians uh mm -hmm. yeah, just in reflecting on both now the events of the insurrection and epiphany that yeah get you to thinking but yeah there is no direct correlation at all yeah interesting what else we got so one thing that I was reading up on today is, you know, we assume, I think everyone has assumed that the star of Bethlehem is a star, right? But I was reading some articles today that was saying, you know, it may have actually not been a star. It may have been an angel because the an angel is portrayed as a star many times. Jesus is even called the morning star, right? So... It could have been an angel, and we know from Luke there was angels. So angels, you know, in this story. So it could have been an actual angel, and not an, a, a sign, you know, scientifically a star. Except but, there is a star of Bethlehem that appears periodically around it, it, the time of Christmas. It appeared last year, and you know, the next time it's going to appear is twenty twenty. Then you get into this argument about well, but Christmas really probably wasn't on the twenty fifth of December. Right. I mean, you know, so yep. um, 
again, it, I mean, it's hard to prove scientifically uh, that type of thing of what it actually was and wasn't or whatever. I just, I'd never thought of it as being an angel. I've always thought it was a star, some kind of anomaly, a comet yeah, or something. I mean, I guess it could have been, but that's an awful long time for an angelic being to be in the sky. So. Are you okay, Stacey? Uh, a pretty cool uh, celebration. Of course, you know, as Brooke had mentioned, different countries uh, all across the world celebrate in in similar, but oftentimes, you know, kind of different ways too. Uh, so in Colonial Virginia, where I spent some time when I attended uh, We Were Mary, um, a lot of the celebrations feature big cakes or king cakes. Uh, so on the 12th night on Epiphany, uh, a great cake was prepared uh, traditionally in Colonial Virginia. Uh, and it had two big layers of fruit cake and was filled with royal icing. And custom dictated that the youngest child present was to cut and serve the cake. And whoever found the bean or a prize uh, in the 12th night cake was crowned king of the bean. If you found the bean cake, you were king for the night. It's a very similar tradition to the Mardi Gras cake, you know, which Epiphany actually kicks off kind of the celebration season that culminates in Mardi Gras um, in that culture. I mean, it's not as big, but people start gearing up for it. So, you know, and Mardi Gras, believe it or not, has roots in the Christian church. So, um, Fat Tuesday. Also, if... If the, if the tradition you just mentioned, Dustin, is eating fruitcake, I want Ugh. nothing to do with it. Nothing I know. to do with that. You said that, and I was like, oh, no. <sighs> that is like, the worst cake delicious. ever. Ugh. What's wrong with you? Fruits dried and preserved. Real dense cake. I mean, can you think of a more dense, energy-rich cake than a fruitcake? I can think well, of We a, had a, a family cake. at church who kid, whose kids had never had fruitcake. So the grandmother, she was telling the story the other day. She said, so I made a fruitcake. It's been years and years and years. And she goes, we served it. And one of my grandkids, you know, who's in their late teens, took a bite of it and said, why? Like, why would anyone ever do this? Like, it's just disgusting. So... But there are people who like it. My grandfather likes it. There are a lot of people who like it and make it's it. It's good for traveling. You know, you can hitch it to the side of your camel and and travel many miles to the star. You know, it's, it's good traveling food. I guess. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's where the significance of fruitcake came from. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was one of the unmentioned gifts. <laughs> right. Yeah. One Jesus gave away. That's right. Oh, this is terrible. It's probably what he fed the multitude with. That's why it probably spread so far as people were like, no, thank you. (laughs) Okay, so somebody's going to fuss at me for that. It was a joke. It's a joke. (laughs) Maybe someone someone makes a really good fruitcake, and that can be our challenge to to your listeners. Um, If someone has an awesome fruitcake recipe and they want to make one or the host of this podcast, they can mail it to three, four, five Lebanon Boulevard. You know, they can bel- mail it to bowling. <laughs> That's right. Send it to him. <laughs> so this Here is how it works in the church. You don't show up, you get nominated for something. So That's bowling's right. been nominated as the fruitcake tester. That's right. Let us know if there are any good fruitcakes. 
Oh, that's great. <sighs> Anything else? Yeah, this is pretty good stuff. So, yeah, so some churches celebrate Epiphany Sunday last week, and some <laughs> will um, celebrate it this week. So it just depends on your tradition. And Also, the year, so, so I think this week, I believe, in the Episcopal Church is Baptism of Jesus Week. Do you know, Dustin, if that's correct? Sounds right. Because they, they say that, I was reading that the Epiphany in a lot of traditions is, is both the Magi and Baptism of Jesus. So when he was revealed to be divine, so the mm -hmm. Baptism of Jesus. And I think that was, was last Sunday, the, it was, last Sunday was the Epiphany Sunday in, in the church. So this Sunday, I believe, is going to be the baptism of Jesus. This I haven't is the read after the Epiphany, the baptism of our Lord. There you go. Where we reflect on the revelation of Jesus as God's Son as He passes through the waters of the Jordan, and the Spirit descends upon Him, and the mm -hmm. voice from heaven proclaims Him as My Son and the Beloved. Yes. There we go. So I tell you, Aaron has a task. So we started something called the Grand Sweep on January first as a congregation. Actually. Um, the uh, bishop for the Holson Conference, which is all the United Methodist churches in our, our region, um, ask congregations to take on the challenge of reading scripture, the, the Bible from beginning to end um, mm. in the last year. So we had already been toying around with the idea of this grand sweep, which is reading. I mean, you start in Genesis and you read straight through and you read Psalms and Proverbs throughout the year. Um, and then you end in Revelation in December. But uh, the real challenge is going to be celebrating our holy days while still sticking to preaching out of the grand sweep where we're reading the, the scriptures every, every week. So, um, so yeah, but it's been, it's been interesting to, um, to see that and to see people excited and, you know, uh, we uploaded the reading schedule to our app. And so people are like listening to scripture, the scripture for the day being read to them while they're going to work or whatever. And um, so my, <sighs> the, the problem I've always had with the, you know, one year reading programs and all that is, you know, I can get through Genesis pretty good. Yeah. Leviticus is where all good reading plans go to die. Yeah. Leviticus numbers, um, Kings, like a lot of that stuff. It just, I'm bored to death with it. And I'm like, skip, skip, skip. Let's just get to the New Testament. Let's just, or, or let's get to Isaiah or Daniel. <laughs> like that, that's some good stuff. That's some good, that's, that's, that's good to meet to chew on, right? And then when you get past that, you get to the New Testament. Like, okay, now, now I can read through it. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You would be surprised at what you think you know is in the Old Testament or how what you think of. The Old Testament stories, what I call our Sunday school stories or kids stories, where we have whitewashed those stories mm -hmm. to where we've really robbed them of a lot of the meaning. I mean, it's just like the Tower of Babel was in our reading a couple of days ago, and like our phones were lighting up because people were like, this is not the one I remember. It's not my fault. Like, <laughs> I can't help that, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I really struggle with these reading the Bible in a year. And mm -hmm. um I, I can't do it unless I'm with a group who's kind of holding me accountable saying, Hey, did mm -hmm. you read your scripture today or what have you? So, but we so went away from epiphany. Sorry. Rabbit trail. We did. 
<laughs> we always we go down a rabbit hole. We, 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 need a gra- we need a graphic or a sound or something. So when we realize we've gone down a rabbit trail, you can just edit that in and be like, oh, sorry, yeah. our rabbit trail this year or today was. <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess Merry Christmas to our Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters. Yes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Epiphany. Peace be to you. Have a good night. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really hope you got some enjoyment out of the podcast this week. Remember to check out our website, www.appalachianliturgy.com, and follow us on all of our social medias. If you want an easy way to support us, though, make sure to subscribe to our channels and like our videos on YouTube. Also, join our email list for updates and let us know how we're doing. See you next week, everyone. Appalachian Liturgy Podcast is a JRS Studios production.